When you think about Greek life, Christian faith might be the absolute last thing that comes to mind. But we not only believe that it's possible to be Greek and Christian, but also that it's the best way to experience Greek life and grow your faith. We have real, honest conversations about how to approach Greek life from a Christian perspective, including things like recruiting and pledging, drinking and drugs, sex and dating, leadership and philanthropy, and much more. This podcast is by Greeks and for Greeks. Our hosts and guests are all members of fraternities and sororities who collectively have decades worth of experience living out their faith in Greek life. Welcome to the Greek and Christian Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Greek and Christian Podcast. I'm Allison, one of your hosts. And I am John. And we are back for another episode. Uh, If you're just joining us this week, uh, as a means to quick recap, we are in the midst of a series called Advocate or Abolish Greek Life. Over the years, there's been a number of calls to abolish the Greek system. Uh, because of a number of issues that happen. Uh, things like alcohol and drug, review, drug abuse, uh, alcohol-related deaths, sexual assault, and issues of racism. If you follow the news or you've been following on social media, uh, there's been a hashtag movement, again, called Abolish Creek Life. Uh, and this time initiated and renewed for issues of racism uh, within the Greek system, both historically and currently. And we've been asking the question, how should we, as Christians in the Greek system, respond to calls to abolish Greek life, and particularly these issues uh, of racism? Episode one, uh, if you want to go back and listen to it, it's an overview of why people advocate or call to abolish the Greek system. And as Christians, uh, we talked about we should be people, uh, according to, to Micah 6, 8, we should be people of justice and mercy and humility. People of justice who uh, acknowledge and denounce and call out and work to fix the broken aspects of the Greek system. And yet also people of mercy who love our brothers and sisters and want the best for them and want the best for our organization. People of compassion. And yet always people of humility uh, who look at themselves and uh, take issues like this as a moment to do some self-reflection of where can I grow? Where is God inviting me to grow? Then in episode two, we talk specifically about the issue of racism and racially problematic history of the Greek system, particularly in our historically white fraternities and sororities of IFC and Panhellenic. And we also discussed ways as Christians we can respond uh, to past and current issues of racism in the system. And this week, here we are. Yeah, we are. So pumped for this week. Um, John, I'm very excited to share that we have two guests. They're two people who I greatly admire and enjoy interacting with when I get to see them in real life. Um, And we're going to have a roundtable discussion type conversation this week. So like John, you said, we've been focusing heavily on the predominantly white Greek system in our conversations about abolishing Greek life. This week, uh, we're honored to have two guests, a guest from an NPHC fraternity and an Asian interest sorority. Uh, So John, Would you like to introduce our first guest, Gary? Yeah, Gary Hogans. Gary is an alumni of California State University, Long Beach, Cal State Long Beach, where he became a brother of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. 
I also heard his wife is a Zeta Phi Beta uh, sorority incorporated soror. Is that right? Correct. Correct. White and blue family. Yes. Sir. Uh, after undergraduate, he went on to get his MBA uh, from Pepperdine University. He spent then over 25 years working in pharmaceuticals. And during that same time, as if that wasn't enough, he also worked as a pastor for his local church, Calvary Chapel Crenshaw in Los Angeles. And then just a few years ago, uh, he retired from pharmaceutical sales and went into full-time ministry, uh, both with his church and with InterVarsity, working for their graduate and faculty ministries in California. So thanks for being with us, Gary. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yes. Gary uh, is filled with wisdom, I must say. So I enjoy having him here, but he, <laughs> he also has a great sense of humor. I feel like we should say he is wise and fun. <laughs> okay. I like that. Wise and fun. I have to tell my wife that. <laughs> there you go. She would argue on both. Oh, no. <laughs> Sometimes oh, they I'm need me. <laughs> I'm not trying to cause marital conflict yeah, yeah, uh, through the Greek and Christian <laughs> podcast. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to introduce our next guest. So, oh my gosh, I got to introduce her in season one. So if you listen to the episode on drinking, you met my friend Becky, and she is back for season three. Um, so she is also wise like Gary, also very fun like <laughs> Gary. Uh, I always make Becky laugh when I talk her up. I just love it. Um, also, <laughs> Becky is still labeled as her maiden name in my phone. I feel like whenever I meet friends who I knew before they got married, they just stay their maiden name forever. So, um, <clears throat> yes. But Becky, Becky is an alumna of Sigma Phi Omega, which is an Asian interest sorority. She went to UC Berkeley. So go Bears, I guess. Yes, go Bears. <laughs> <laughs> and she currently li lives in Oakland, California uh, with her family. She worked for several years with Greek IV, which is really great. Uh, she started the Greek University Ministry at UC Berkeley, and now she works for a marketing and design firm. So hey, Becky, yeah. glad to have you back. Hi, it's so fun to be here. Thank you for inviting me to hang out with you guys. Oh, totally. I mean, you know, if if it were just me on this podcast and John wasn't co-hosting with me, I would have you on every week. Oh, wow. wow. I'm really just looking for a new co-host. <laughs> wow. Well, call me anytime, Allison. Okay, great. <laughs> watch out, so, John. Yeah, watch out, John. I know. They're gunning for me. Right. You're going to get voted off the island soon. <laughs> oh, my God. Becky is awesome. We go back to it's uh, it's fun. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into the topic at hand today. Um, and so we have a few questions just to get the conversation going. And Becky, Gary, you can answer whatever you want. You know, this is casual conversation. Um, but I would just love to know, first off, why did you join your Greek organization? And what makes you most proud to be a member? Well, I'll, I'll jump in. Yeah. I'll start off. Well, we well, I I joined my organization uh, before any of you were born uh, back in <laughs> before in, in 1978. Um, the primary reason I think I joined uh, my fraternity, first of all, 35,000 students on campus. I knew one person mm. intimately from my high school. Uh, I was no longer a jock at the college level, so that wasn't an option. So Greek life was kind of the way to get to know people, create. Uh, a brotherhood or be a part of a, of a brotherhood. So, uh, and then kind of fraternity life was kind of synonymous with college. 
like prom in high school, Greek life in college. So it was like, okay, I want the whole experience. And so uh, in my sophomore year, uh, I started to look at different fraternities. And of course, kind of just naturally, I was drawn to those of the divine nine. So there was four choices to look at. And I just kind of went through all four to see which personality uh, that I had kind of fixed with the or- with the organization. And I joined Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated uh, in June of 1978. And uh, I really enjoyed it and uh, still proud to be a member because primarily uh, the Divine Nine organizations, I'd have to say as a whole, uh, they kind of thrive on the concept kind of initiated by W.E.B. Du Bois of the Talented Tenth that it's the responsibility of African-Americans that if you get your college education to do what you can to help pull Mm. the rest through and to keep going. So the organization is tremendously built upon service. Uh, You know, all of them are and and mine in particular. So uh, what makes me proud to be a member is just the individuals that have come through that have kind of set the table uh, back in the civil rights in the 50s and 60s, A. Philip Randolph, who kind of organized the March on Washington. Martin Mm. Luther King gave the great speech, but it was our fraternity member, A. Philip Randolph, who organized that. Huey P. Newton was the founder of the Black Panthers in Oakland, Becky, uh, (laughs) was a member of my fraternity. And then we just lost a giant in our fraternity, uh, Congressman John John Lewis, Lewis. getting getting in good trouble. So our organization was founded on being active in the community and we're still active. And that's allowed me 42 years later to still be uh, an active participant. And right now I'm the current president of our alumni chapter in the city of Los Angeles, which is the largest uh, alumni chapter on the West Coast. So it just means that much to me that I'm still just a part of it. And I'm also the chaplain for our Western region. So the, the purpose and the things that we have uh, are still important to me from 78 to now. So that's why I'm involved and why I'm proud to be a member. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, y'all can't see Gary right now, but he's also wearing a blue shirt uh, representing the fraternity. He's got the crest (laughs) on there and everything. So that's one of the things that I love and have always respected about uh, the National Panhellenic Council, the historically black fraternities and sororities, the Divine Nine, is once you're in, you're in for life. Yeah, you know, I see, I see grandmas walking around in the grocery store wearing their Delta Sigma Theta sorority incorporated jackets, yes. you know, and things of that sort. So um, that's really awesome. And there's, like you mentioned, a, a strong legacy of leaders uh, coming out of the divine nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good word. I was going to also comment on Gary's fashion. Whenever I've seen Gary in person, <laughs> I would say he takes the NPHC fashion to the next level. Like he's always got, like at our conferences, not only did he have his fraternity pin on, he had a great fraternity cardigan on. It was very classy. <laughs> um, but Thank then I've you. also seen him sport the fraternity colors on a tie. And so it makes me aspire to be more fashionable, to think through my <laughs> fashion choices. Well, what, what about you, Becky? Yeah. Um, yeah, why did you join your organization and, and what makes mm-hmm. you proud to be a member? Um, well, I joined um, kind of like Gary my sophomore year in college. I actually um, 
went with a high school friend to a recruitment event um, in our, the fall of our freshman year. And she was really interested and she wanted someone to go with her. And I went with her and then left early because <laughs> I was like, no, this is not really for me. Um, I um, was a, I identified as a Christian and I just didn't feel like going Greek was synonymous with being a faithful Christian at the time. And then, um, so I was kind of like, this is great, not for me. Um, but then actually in that first year of college, I feel like God really um, redefined for me what it means to be a faith, you know, a faithful Christian. I got involved with InterVarsity, um, but still just kind of like felt, um, I kept on thinking actually about that recruitment event. And so I went to a few different ones for different chapters. And ultimately the one that I ended up joining, um, I just remember meeting all these women there and there were actually quite a number of women who had, um, I had grown up with who had been, um, from my high school friends that I knew, you know, that friend that I'd gone with the previous year, she was part of the sorority at the time. And I just remember I was like, just so impressed with these like women. I was like, I'm a girl, but these are women. Like, look at their <laughs> fingernails. They're so grown up <laughs> and put together and they wow. have beautiful hair and they're so eloquent. And I just was, I remember being like, if I join these women, I will also become a woman. <laughs> um, and so anyway. It's not a Britney Spears song, like, I'm not a girl. Yet not yet. Not a woman. That being Allison. Wow. That was all yeah. of us, really. Yeah, early 2000s, college, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, anyway, I am proud to be a member. I, I'm, yeah, very proud to be a member. Um, was really active all throughout the rest of my college life. And obviously, um, Greek life ended up kind of being central to a lot of my early adulthood, um, being on staff with Greek IV. Um, I'm proud to be a member. It wasn't always this way, but I'm really proud to be part of a multicultural Greek letter organization. Um, I think it's a place where I really grew an understanding of my ethnic ethnicity, my identity, how that relates to who I am, and also the communities that I'm part of. Um, I think there's just such a strong history and a powerful legacy of these um, really brave Asian American men and women who formed these organizations and continue to have cultural influence in our society and our world. Um, my sorority in particular was um, founded <clears throat> at the University of Southern California in the 20s because after World War II, Asian women weren't allowed to be part of Panhellenic organizations. Um, and so they formed their own. And so it's just amazing that um, that legacy continues on and being this um, that Asian Greek communities are this place where Asian American um, young people just have a place they call they can call home. And you know, I joke that I think these women um, that I met, they were so grown up, and I just kind of aspired to be like them. <clears throat> but I think there was something really, um, really wonderful about being in a place where everyone looked like me. And like we had these things in common that they understood. Um, there's a little bit of like a um, just everyone, you know, everyone being Asian American or identifying as Asian American is something that I didn't find a lot of. And so that was a really nice thing. Yeah. Some good solidarity uh, and camaraderie uh, there. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, to that end, um, you know, those are a lot of awesome aspects to your organizations and some of the things that you're proud of. And, um, but what about some of the more challenging aspects? You know, was there ever uh, a moment that you felt really challenged uh, about being in Greek life or that you even thought about quitting your organization? You know, and if so, why was that? And, um, you know, yeah, let's go with that. Well, I'll, I'll jump in again. Um, unfortunately, I was not like Becky, where I was actually a, a Christian during my undergraduate mm-hmm. time on campus. So I guess I had full force of what fraternities did during my time. But uh, <laughs> towards the <laughs> towards the end, what does of that my... mean, Gary? I don't know what that means. <laughs> the full that, force. Yeah, that, that's that's for another episode. I'm just kidding. Oh. You don't. Maybe we'll have you come back when we revisit those hot, uh, yeah. other hot topics. Yeah. It's, some, it's some of the reasons why they want to abolish fraternity. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know that's good. You know, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're in that now. The full, exactly. the full force experience. I know what yeah. you're saying. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, you should know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, everyone knows what. what yeah. I, I don't have to. Yeah. So, um, but it was at the end of um, right at graduation when I was chapter president and and everything that God was calling me, and I finally received the Lord. It was my testimony. The fraternity was. It was everything. It was by far number one. And there was nothing, you know. So, the first is, you know, you know seek me first, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and then everything else will be added. Uh, I had something that was, you know, fraternity first and God second. And he so clearly kind of spoke to my heart as to me, you're part of a new, a new fraternity, a new brotherhood now. Um, And what are you going to do about it? Are you in, but in my infancy as a Christian, I pulled away. I told two individuals, there were alumni, uh, wise gentlemen. I told them, I said, you know, God has told me that I have, I have to separate. I said, um, I'm starting my family. I'm starting my career and I just can't do it. And I said, but if you ever need me, you know, I'm there. And these different individuals would, you know, if something happened with the fraternity, if they really needed me, I would show up. Uh, one of those two gentlemen actually was head deacon at his church. And as I grew in the ministry, he would invite me to minister there. So it was great. And this went on for years until I was such that I had my Christian foundation solid that I could go back around fraternities and fraternity life and be an influencer versus being influenced. Mm-hmm. And God gave me a clear green light to go back. And I went back. So that was kind of uh, my story on, on the quitting, but it was never... I never want to be a part again. And God never told me to get rid of the fraternity. And that was it. He just said, I just need to know if I'm first. And when I demonstrated to him that, that I, that he was first and everything, my ministry and everything came up and I've always lived by what I call the three F's faith, family, and then the frat. (laughs) And as long as you keep, keep everything in that order, it, it, it works. You know, yeah. God's most important. Then you take care of your family, and then everything else is the frat has it. So that's <laughs> that's me. That's awesome. I mean, and you you named it too. I mean, we call it the the tension of being Greek and Christian, right there. And I think so many of uh, people that listen to this podcast 
um, that's it. You know, when you, when you, um, especially when you just start following Christ, like you're immediately like, what do I do in the midst mm-hmm. of all that's of right. this and all these, you know, the lifestyle and the culture and, you know, all these different things, how do I grow in my faith while still maintaining content, you know, in relationship with my brothers and sisters and the organization. And, um, yeah, I, I think that's real. So what about you, Becky? Um, yeah, I think definitely, um, it was challenging. It was really hard. Um, I thought about quitting a lot. <laughs> um, I think in some, like, I think a lot of actually Asian Greek organizations have, there's rumors that, you know, join the recruit or the um, new member process or pledging is really challenging for reasons I won't get into, but <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast episode, but definitely yeah. it was challenging. It was really hard. Um, and I think also um, part of the culture of joining an Asian fraternity or sorority is that it takes up all like a lot of time. There's a lot of commitment. Um, and you're sort of reforming your identity to be part of this organization um, for better, or for worse. And so I think like from just from a time and identity perspective, I think that was really hard. Um, I found that being a Christian um, in my sorority was really hard being, you know, being in the Asian Greek community and being a Christian is, was really tough. And I thought about sort of choosing one side or the other all the time. Like, um, and, um, but yeah, I think I, I remember at the time, like just feeling like this is not worth my time or like this, what is the point of all this? Um, but I think too, a big part of it was realizing that all these ideas that I had about what it means to be a Christian, I think were being challenged and being reformed. And I went through kind of an, a little bit of an identity crisis and a reforming of my faith because um, I really had to reckon with the idea that like I had equated um, being a Christian with morality or like living ex- externally in a certain way, but sort of in a new context, in a non-Christian context, it didn't really matter that much or it sort of didn't mean as much as I thought it did. And I had to come face to face with my own brokenness, my own sort of like issues with um, yeah. And ultimately sort of like a morals based, a rules based faith didn't really hold up. <laughs> and so I think that was really hard. And I was sort of like, who am I in the midst of all this? And so, yeah, I think, um, in those moments, I remember like, it would be easy just to like leave and to quit and to just kind of like throw myself fully into something that feels more familiar, like a Christian, my Christian fellowship or my Christian friends. But, um, I'm glad that I, stuck it out. Cause I feel like actually that was, um, an invitation from God to kind of like go deeper with faith in a way that I didn't expect that totally changed my life. I think it's interesting just to name like that tension of being Greek and Christian, trying to faithfully follow Jesus, um, in the midst of a system that does not always promote or uphold like Christian values, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but it's felt, uh, like, I mean, I grew up in South Carolina. Uh, Y'all are in California. But from coast to coast, from council to council in the Greek system, we all experience that same tension of Mm -hmm. what does it look like to really be a Christian and follow Jesus in the Greek system? And so um, even though I think there are definitely unique aspects of each of our councils and chapters and those things should be celebrated, I think there's also overlap sometimes Mm -hmm. and things that are, are universal. And this is one mm-hmm. of them, you know, of just 
hey, regardless of what council you're in, regardless of what chapter you're in, regardless of where you are in the country, the the question of being Greek and Christian is like a pertinent one and one that demands to be answered in a lot of different ways. So, Yes. And on that note, we're going to get into one of those other similarities between councils, which is criticism. People criticizing you for your Greek affiliation. But we're going to take a quick break first um, and share with you about an exciting future episode of the Greek and Christian podcast. And then we'll come right back. So I know I said we were just going to take a quick break and be right back in for our conversation, but the rest of our conversation was amazing and it went way longer than any of us expected for all the right reasons. So we decided that we're going to cut the episode right here and this is going to be a two-parter because you really don't want to miss all that Becky and Gary shared uh, together with us. So make sure that you subscribe, that you follow the Greek and Christian podcast so that you can get part two of our conversation with Gary and Becky. Also, our last episode for this series about abolish or advocate for Greek life is gonna be a question and answer. So we wanna know what questions do you have? What questions have come up for you as you've listened to this series? Uh, There is gonna be a link in the show notes for you to fill out and submit your questions so that we can have a real and honest conversation about the things that you want us to talk about as we think about abolishing or advocating or restoring the Greek system. So we will see you on our next episode.